My name is Brian Kinsey, and I'm the pastor of First Pentecostal Church in Pensacola. I'm delighted that you're listening to this message, and I hope it blesses your life. If you'd like to submit a prayer request, or if you're interested in a personal Bible study, you can call us at 850-477-1100, or send us an email at firstpent at firstpent.org. We hope you enjoy this message. You can make your way back to your pews and if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Romans chapter 4 and verse 13. I'm going to read several verses in your hearing this morning before you're seated. We talked about this Wednesday night about virtue being added to our faith as the Apostle Peter taught us in his epistle to the church. Very important that we do this and I know that we are people of great faith. This church is a people of great faith. If I'm going to ask someone to pray for me, I'm going to ask the people that I know touch God on a regular basis and have a connection with God. They don't have to crank it up. They don't have to try to get it. They've got it. And I'm going to ask them to pray to help me. We have great faith. We have great knowledge. We are people that know the Word of God. We know the truth. We understand the the doctrine of the oneness of God and the new birth of Acts 2.38 repentance and water baptism in Jesus' name and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. But we also need to add virtue to our faith that is very vitally important for us because if we do these things, we will be able to see afar off. Our vision will be corrected because you can't see past the nose on your face if you don't have any virtue. If there's nothing flowing out to bring life to someone else, to bring healing to someone else, to bring reconciliation to someone else. You have no vision, and you can't bring a vision to pass. No how, no way, you can't do it. And and you've got to have that virtue. So this is what I propose to you this morning, church. In order to release that virtue to bring life, we have to raise our level of expectation of what God can do in this place right now for Owen, for Brother Jarrett, and for everybody in this building that needs a touch from God. Above your emotional pain, above the bondage that you feel, above all the crisis in your life, God is still able to deliver and save to the uttermost in spite of what we're going through, God can still move. The greatest example of what I'm talking about is Abraham in the Bible. So let's discuss it. Let's go to Romans 4 and find out what he did to accomplish just exactly that. He said, for the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. This is how important it is for you to do this. This is how important it is because when Abraham received the promise that he would be heir of the world and that he would have a son, even though he was too old to have children, he still, God, ministered to his spirit, gave him that promise. And he believed and God counted it unto him for righteousness. You want to be right with God? Have faith. 
Have faith in the impossible. Expect God to do what nobody else can do. For if they were of, if they which are of the law be heirs, faith is made void and the promise made none effect. That's what I want you to do here today with your faith. I want you to make the promise effectual. As it is written, verse 17, I have made thee a father of many nations before him who be, he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead, calleth those things which be not as though they were, who hope against hope, believed in hope, that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. And therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. That's how important it is. God can elevate your standing with him today by your faith. But one last verse, and then I'm going to let you be seated. Genesis 18, 14. Here's the question God asked Abraham, and it's the question God's asking First Pentecostal Church on this Sunday morning. We have a vision that God wants to give us the greatest revival ever. We have a vision that many souls can be born again of water and of spirit in this service this morning. We have a vision that God can heal every sickness and every disease and affliction and infirmity in this house. We have a vision and a promise from God that there is no depression, there is no discouragement, there is no despair, there is no emotional pain that my God cannot heal. There is no, there is no rift that my God cannot reconcile. There is no breach that my God cannot repair. Woo! Here's your question. It's my text. Is anything too hard for God. Now, when God's asking you the question, you better have the right answer. That's all I got to say. But God's asking you the question. You say, well, I don't think I can get the Holy Ghost. Is anything too hard for God? I don't think God can redeem me after all I've messed up. Is there anything too hard for God? There's nothing too hard for God. Clap your hands unto the Lord as you're seated and you may be seated. Abraham did several things to elevate his expectation to believe for the promise because he understood that there would be no action of righteousness, of law on his behalf that would make that promise effectual. He believed that what God said was true. That's just as simple as that. And so I want you to believe right now that what this Bible says is true. Every word in it. Every word is yours. So there's several things you have to do if you're going to elevate your level of expectation because guess what? We are human after all. There's a lot of weird people in the world, isn't there? How many of you will admit you might could be one of them? 
We all have our dysfunction. We all have our unique personalities. And sometimes they clash for whatever reason. Bless our heart. And that just happens. That's a part of who we are. That's a part of what we do. But Abraham said he considered not. That means he refused to focus on what was wrong and broken in his body. And so you got to make a choice. If you're going to elevate your level of expectation, you're going to have to make the right choice of what to focus on because you can't consider some things if you're going to make this promise effectual and God's going to do for you what he put in this book and said he was going to do. You got to train yourself to focus not on the problems or the difficulties, but on who is making the promise. You can't even focus on the promise itself because the promise itself is not in itself effectual because you got to understand who is making the promise. This is not the first Pentecostal church telling you that the blood of Jesus can cleanse you from all your sins. It is not just Brian Kinsey declaring to you that you can receive the gift of the Holy Ghost and speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gives you the utterance. It's not just the youth group that's telling you these things can happen in your life. It is God himself telling you. You mean God can heal my heart condition right now in the name of Jesus? You mean God can touch my arthritis? God can take every ounce of pain out of your body and you can run and dance and shout and praise the Lord completely pain-free without Advil? Praise God. You can do it. I said you can do it because I'm not promising this. This isn't the promise of the Pentecostal religion. This is the promise of God Almighty. Be healed in Jesus' name. Amen. Why do these people praise the Lord? I don't understand why you're so noisy here on a Sunday morning. I'm trying to rest. I didn't get enough sleep last night and now you're bothering me with your hand clap of praise and your worship. I sure am glad it bothers you a little bit. Hopefully it'll wake you up and you'll realize that there's more than just a song. There's more than just emotion in this place. There is the presence. There is the Shekinah glory of God that dwelt behind the veil above the mercy seat between the cherubims in the Ark of the Covenant, that same glory lives in my heart through the baptism of the Holy Ghost and fire. It's not the third person of the Godhead, but it is. I said it is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Jesus is living on the inside of me because of the Holy Ghost. But here's what you gotta do. If you're gonna keep your focus, you gotta learn how to consider not what others say. Consider not what others say because everybody's going to be real with you. Say, bro, you too old. Sarah done too, she too old to have this kid. I don't know who told you that you're going to have a baby, but you're just, I don't know. You might be smoking weed or I don't know what it is. Something wrong. Something is not right. You can't consider what everybody else is saying. You got to find somebody who knows the master who made the promise because the master who made the promise is alive in this service today. He's not dead. He's still alive and his name is Jesus. You can't consider how you feel because you're going to come in here and you're not going to always feel like faith. 
faith doesn't always have a feel to it. I wished it did because it would just be a great thing. I just wished I could just turn on a button or, or, or flip a switch and all of a sudden you feel a jolt to faith. But there, faith don't always have a feel to it. Sometimes you don't feel anything, but you praise him anyway. You don't feel anything, but you come to church anyhow. You don't feel a thing, but you still say, I know the master and he made me the promise. Uh, he may take longer than I think he's going to take. And he may do things that I don't understand, but I'm going to trust in him and I'm going to keep on walking. And consider not how long it takes because sometimes it can take longer and it can cost more than what we originally thought. Abraham was not in denial. He did face his realities. He knew that he was old. He realized that he could not produce this promise by his own power. And you need to understand, you can't do this on your own. That's actually a very mature understanding. That's actually a very good thing. Because if you think you can save yourself and do it yourself, you're in trouble. Because it's no longer a faith. Then it becomes the righteousness of the law and not the righteousness which comes by faith. So I want to say to you, you can't do this by yourself. I can't produce this kind of vision by myself. But I know the master who made the promise and he has the power and I'm not going to let the obstacles stop me. And I'm going to keep my focus, not on the timetable, not on my limitations, but I've got a determined mind that the Lord's going to do it because he said it in his word. Now, let me show you the power of the devil. This is all the power the devil has. This is the power the devil has. He cannot stop this promise from coming to pass. He does not have a fraction of the power to do it. He cannot. Turn to your neighbor and say, can't do it. He cannot stop what God has promised. However, he can get into your head and you can stop the promise. Champions prepare mentally for their game or their battle. Because if they're not prepared mentally, they cannot overcome the enemy. Because if the enemy and fear of that can get a hold of them, it gets in their head. And even if you're just convinced they're bigger and better than you are, they might be bigger and they might be better, but the bigger they are, the harder they Oh, you know the statement. Thank you for your help. Because you need to realize only you control what you focus on and the devil has no say over it. As a matter of fact, the devil don't even know what you're thinking right now. The devil's not omniscient, he's not omnipresent, and he's not omnipotent. As a matter of fact, if God didn't give him his authority, he would have none at all. There is no competition between God and the devil. There is no match between God and the devil. God is God and the devil ain't. Now, who are you going to believe? I asked First Pentecostal Church, 
Is there anything too hard for God? When it looks like it's too far gone, when it looks like they are dead and cannot be redeemed, somehow God is able to work out the impossible. When it looks like your kid's too far gone, they're too bitter toward church, they're too messed up about everything that no voice can reach them out of nowhere. God can make a light shine in the darkness. When it looks like you're too far down and your back's against the wall and the timer is about out, but God can. I said God can. For there is nothing too hard for God. Now, what I like to do, you don't have to do this necessarily, but to answer that question, I always like to go to the Word of God. I don't like to just answer it myself. I'm not saying it's wrong to do that. I'm just saying I know it's more accurate, and I know it's accurate whenever I answer it with the Word. So God's asking me the question, is anything too hard for God? Well, let's go to Jeremiah and find out. Jeremiah 32, 17. Oh, Lord God. Behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power and stretched out arm. And there is. I mean, you got the cheat screen right there. Come on. All you got to do is look over. You, you, some of you, you've been looking at it all along and you still can't say it. All right. All right. And there is nothing. There is nothing. That's a pretty good answer. I think I'll just give him Jeremiah's answer. There's nothing too hard for God. I said, there's nothing. Is anything too hard? This is your answer. There is nothing too hard for God. Let me answer it like Jesus answered it. He said, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. But we consider not and we stagger not. I mean, there's no hesitation. There's no resistance in our spirit. Here's what I want you to do. This is what will elevate your level of expectation to believe God for the supernatural and the impossible. Even when you don't feel it, it doesn't look like the timetable's right. doesn't look like it's the right season, the right time of year, whatever the excuse might be. But never hold back your worship and never resist the Spirit of God every time he wants to move. Because you never know that if the next move's going to be the time, he's going to fulfill the promise. So I'm just going to keep on clapping my hands and worshiping. Go ahead, get that hand up. That prayer you've been praying for all of these years, God has heard your prayer, and he's going to answer it right now in the name of Jesus because you keep clapping. Come on, Mike. God has shown you what he's wanting to do and promised it to you. You keep on praising God and shouting and glorifying the Lord. And I don't care how long it takes. I don't care how bad you feel. Stagger not at the promises of God. That means no resistance. I said I got a made up mind. I'll never give up. And I don't care if a thousand voices rises up against me and says it's not going to happen. I'm going to say God gave me this promise and it's mine. And I'm going to hold on to it and nothing. I said nothing. Nothing is going to take it away. I'm going to keep on worshiping. When nobody else will sing, I'll sing. 
And if I start singing, I promise you everybody else will start. Praise God. Everybody in the house will sing, God, we've got to shut that down now. And that's the best way to do it. But I'm going to worship him. And so he was strong in faith. That means he wasn't diseased. This is what happens to most people. It's not that God's not true. His promises are not right. It's because your thinking gets diseased. He's strong. The word strong there means free of disease, free of poison. People will poison you. And you got to beware of the poison of the enemy because he uses a lot of different sources to be able to poison you. But I want you to understand this. And this is what you've got to understand. The miracle is in your mouth. The word of faith is neither even in thy mouth. That's the word that we speak to you right now. That if we can, through this word, speak and speech ourselves to victory. Because the only voice that really matters is God. And most of my time in prayer, a lot of times, I'm just tuning out everything. And I'm trying to hear that one voice that really does count. Because if I don't hear from him, it doesn't make any difference who I am hearing from or how they might agree with me or disagree. It won't matter. Because if I'm hearing from God, it don't matter. If I'm not hearing from God, it still don't matter. (laughs) Because it's not going to happen. But if I'm hearing from God, I want you to think with me the number one thing. There is no promise too hard for God to fulfill none. How many promises are there in the Bible? Over 30,000 that we have counted. And there's probably more. I've missed one or two in the 30,000 count. So those of you that know there's 30,103.6, don't come up to me and show me the rest of them because that's still a lot of promises. But they are all, the Bible says, all the promises are in him, yes, and in him, amen. They are in him. And I want you to love this, These, this word, put it in your heart. Numbers 23, 19, God is not a man that he should lie, neither is he the son of man that he should repent. He's not going to say, well, I gave you the promise, but you're a weird person. Like Eva says, you're kind of weird. I don't think I'm going to fulfill it for you. I'll fulfill it for another weird person over here. But he says, I am God and I shall not lie. Neither am I the son of man that I should repent. I'm not going to say one thing and do another. I am not your two-time and two-faced God. I am the God that says it. I am that I am. And then if you go on and read, he says, Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? The promise of healing is mine. The promise of salvation is mine. There's no prayer too hard that God cannot answer it. Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. I say we ought to pray the big prayer. I say we ought to pray Holy Ghost and fire like it fell on the day of Pentecost. I think we ought to pray for an old-fashioned, Bible-believing, apostolic revival. Quit telling me we need an emerging church. Quit telling me we need some new thing. 
quit telling me we need a new message. We need an old-fashioned holiness, sin-killing, Jesus-lifting-up, exalting message to come over this pulpit. There's no prayer too hard. John Newton, who wrote Amazing Grace, declared, Thou art coming to a king. Large petitions with thee bring, for his grace and power are such that none can ever ask too much. You can't ask too much. You can't say it too loud. You can't say it too big because there is nothing, nothing, nothing that lies beyond the reach of prayer except that which lies outside the will of God. There is no prayer too hard for God to answer. The promise came from God, it's mine. It's echoed by the voice of the preacher, it's mine. The promise is divine and the promise is mine and I shall receive it. There's no problem you have too big that God can't solve it. Trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. No problem. No problem. No problem. Too big for God to solve. There's no need. There's no situation. There's no crisis. There is no issue. There is no sin. There is no backslid kid. I don't care what their problem is. I don't care what made them go bad. There is nothing too big for God to solve. Woo! Satama. I wish somebody would get the revelation. I'm not trying to hype you up. I'm trying to get your faith in the right thing. Andre Crouch wrote the song, sang it beautifully. If I'd never had a problem, I wouldn't know God could solve them. So I thank him for the storms he's brought me through. Woo! Through it all, church. And I'm telling you, there's no person too hard for God to save. Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. And so they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. I say if you've got faith the size of a grain of mustard seed, somebody stand up and speak to the mountain and say, be thou removed. Somebody declare it. Somebody say, sickness, get out of my life. Backslid kid, devil, Leave them alone and bring them back home. God can do anything. Now you have to understand God works differently than we do. And if you don't understand that, you're gonna get discouraged. He doesn't think like you do. It's like this little boy. He was upset with God because he didn't understand why God put watermelons on the ground connected to a weak vine 
and put acorns up in the big old oak tree, strong of limb and strong of root. Didn't understand it till an acorn fell on his head. And the first thought that popped in that little boy's mind is said, thank God it wasn't a watermelon. <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now, God may have a different way to work, but thank God he don't put watermelons on oak trees. I don't know why hand clapping works, but it does. I don't know why praise works, but it does. I don't know why repentance works, but it does. I can't tell you except from a theological perspective why water baptism in Jesus' name works, but it does. I can't tell you why I'm speaking in tongues. I can't from a biblical and theological standpoint. But my friend, I'm telling you right now, it works, it works, it works. This is just what I want you to do. And I want you to stand and I'm done. Remember this. This is an important point of this message. Because when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane and when the morning was come, all the chief priests and the elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. And when they had bound him, they led him away. And when they had bound him, they led him away. And when they had bound him, they led him away. You can bind Jesus. The devil can't, but what the devil can't do, man can do. So what I want you to do as our intercessors get in place, I want you to take the handcuffs off of Jesus. Now I'm going to show you how the fetters and whatever you have bound him with. Samson whooped a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of a mule. And they couldn't touch him. But what the Philistines could not do, the men of Judah did. And they bound Samson and turned him over to the enemy. Mm. So you can bind him. But I want you to say, well, how do you bind him? Unwillingness, unconcern, unreasonable. Some of you are weird. You're unreasonable. But how many of you are glad Jesus still loves you even though you're weird? <laughs> Uncleanness, sin gets in the way and it binds him. That's why, we're, that's why we come to this altar area. See, we're not playing games up here, church. This ain't a game to me. Because your sin's a problem. Your sin binds God and keeps him from fulfilling his promise because he's not going to do that to an unclean vessel. However, he's made provision for your sin. That's why we baptize people in Jesus' name. And wash away your sins. We can handle that problem. <laughs> we got the problem solved. Uncleanness and unbelief. So you take the fetters off of Jesus right now. Take the chains off of Jesus. Take the handcuffs off of him. And watch him 
be true to every promise in this book. Watch him do So I go back to my text and I ask you again, now that I've given you the answer, you got the answer key. Is anything too hard for God? And my answer is Jeremiah's answer. Nothing is too hard for God. Nothing. Nothing. Now, sometimes it works best this way, and I'm just going to ask you to do it because I feel it in the spirit. And it helps you to take the fetters off of Jesus when you come into agreement with somebody. So if you need something from God, I want you to be kind enough to indulge me. And I want you to take your friend by the hand right now that's standing next to you, and I want you to bring. And even if you're a saint of God and, and you look at the, and say, you know what, I just feel like I'd like to bring you to the altar. Will you be my agreement partner for right now? They may not know they need something from God or whatever, but I want you to bring that, bring her. Nick, come on, Nick, bring that, bring her. Come on, Sherry, Sherry. I'll get it right today. Randy, who can forget him? Praise God. Bring him. Bring your agreement partner right now. Come on. Come on, Mike. Come on. Come on. God wants to touch you today. Bring your, bring your agreement with you. Bring your agreement with you. All over this house, everywhere, everywhere, bring your agreement. Just agree right now, touching any one thing. Agree together in one mind, in one accord, bring them all over, in the balcony, all over the house. This is now your opportunity to give virtue. I can't have virtue under myself. The anointing is not supposed to work on me. That's one thing Brother Tom Barnes taught me. He said, your anointing don't work on you. That's what you don't understand. Your anointing works for others, not yourself. You need somebody else's anointing connected to, to work through you at certain levels. And he's right. You need agreement. Come on. I'm not done yet with this altar call. There's still people here that need God. And I want you to bring your agreement. Is anything too hard for God. Jeremiah said, there is nothing too hard for God. Jesus said, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. Same answer. Jeremiah said it. Jesus said it. Both said it. And it's true. You come on, all over this house, all over this building. Now, altar workers, you got people all over this place that need God. You've already got the Holy Ghost. 
Your job is to pray for those that don't. And God will meet your need and heal your body while you're praying for them to get saved. Because they will be lost without God. And they're here to find God. And you better be here with them to find God. Barry and Joanne Marshall, it's great to have you back in Pensacola. I love you. But I'm praying a special blessing. I don't know what y'all been praying for. I don't know what promise you're standing on. But I believe God wants to make effective that promise in your life. And God's going to keep you and he's going to be with you. And he's going to stay with you all the way, even to the end. And we love you and we're praying for you. All over this house, you bring your agreement to the altar. All over this house, I want you to lift your voice. Choir, I want to release you to go pray in the altars right now. We got people there and ain't nobody praying with them. And, and I need you. I'll sing. I'll take your place. Oh, yes. Everything in this house needs to repent. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, the burden of my soul. Go ahead, receive ye the Holy Ghost. Let God do this. Receive that Holy Ghost. We hope you enjoyed this message. Please reach out to us if you have any questions. We can be found at firstpent.org. That's F-I-R-S-T-P-E-N-T dot org. If you're ever in Pensacola, Florida, we hope you visit us. Be blessed in Jesus' name.